welcome to Hello, the Roll everybody, Down and podcast. welcome to a special episode of the Roll Down night. Podcast because now we finally got a guest host. back. It's Cutler been a couple of weeks. So we took a bit of time off. Nobody wanted to talk to us about TFT. We didn't want to talk about TFT. We were too busy eating Christmas ham and Christmas pudding and, you know, all the great Christmas stuff. We do have a very special guest who we will get to. First of all, of course, I want to say a big shout out to my co-host, my partner in crime, my confidant, <laughs> the one of the two of us who is still good at teamfight tactics. <laughs> and that is Sol. Sol, how are you going? I'm going, I'm doing well. Good to be here. <laughs> it's an absolute pleasure to have you as always. Guys, super excited for this episode. We have, I've called this, I've called today's episode Oceania's content king. This man pumps out content, high-level analysis content, great stuff all the time. I mean, there's so much of it. It's so brilliant. I love his stuff. I was so pleased that he agreed to come on. Tamura, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, thank you. It was good to be here. We're not going to mess around, oh, guys. Yeah. We got a big episode. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. And the first one, really is Tamura. I mean, we want to know a little bit more about you in your own words. How did you get started in, in TFT? Where did the, where did the sort of the, where did it, where did it come from that, that addiction, yeah. that TFT addiction? Okay. Yeah. yeah. That, that's very, that's very accurate. That's very accurate. The addiction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So I started in, I started in set four because my cousin, he was playing it and he got to die. He got to diamond in like probably like a month or something. Cause he's like pretty sweaty. So he was grinding. And I was like, oh, like if he got to diamond in a month, like I was like, oh, okay, it's gonna be easier than league, right? So then basically, like the competitive nature of me was like, all right, I'll give it a go. I'll stop playing competitively and try it. And um, I basically like, oh, the amount of hours I put into the game. I think it was like I would play like six hours a day, and then I would watch Bebe stream for like probably like four or five hours a day as well. And so I hit diamond. I hit diamond in like I think it was like two weeks, and I felt like. It was like the biggest ego boost like I've ever had. And then um, I, I think I got to Masters after like another month of playing. And then that's when I pretty much got hard stuck for the first time. Uh, so I was like stuck in Masters for a while. And then I think it was, so that was set four. And then set five was when I first hit Challenger. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Like ever since then, I've just been like grinding nonstop. Uh, and then this was the first set where I actually hit top 10. Because when I hit Challenger for the first time, like obviously I thought like I was amazing. I was like, oh, I'm Challenger now. Now I'm actually good. Uh, but then you get a reality check uh, once you're half stuck <laughs> again at the bottom of Challenger. Because yeah, you try and get to the top of Challenger and you realize, okay, wait, I have a lot to learn. Uh, these people are, are like all a lot better than me. Um, and so I had like every every half set, I have a new reality check, and I got that at the start of this set when I was uh, stuck at like the bottom of Challenger. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. I just kept grinding and then eventually made it to, I was rank, I was rank one for a solid hour. Um, and then I went to the gym and I came back home and I was ranked two. So yeah. <laughs> but, you know, when, yeah, that's how I got into it. When yeah. we come from League of Legends and like, I don't know about you guys, but I was, a, I played League of Legends for like eight years and I was so bad at that game. I don't think I was good for more than like two weeks in like season four. Mm -hmm. I was gold and I was like, man, I'm so good at League of Legends, bro. I'm so good, <laughs> dude. Everybody yeah, else yeah. sucks but me. And you're like gold and you get to, you get to like, 
masters in TFT and everyone's like, bro, you shit. Are you just yeah. like bad at the game? <laughs> yeah. Like, why are you so terrible at the, like, talk to me when you're like 1100 LP. And then you get to 1100 LP and they're like, dude, why are you only 1100 LP? Do you want to like come back when you're 1400 LP? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to talk one. to you until you're 1400 <laughs> LP. It literally never ends. <laughs> and then you get there and yeah. then you get there and then you go to the gym and you come back and there's three people who are 1600 and you're like, oh, okay, well, never yeah. mind then. I guess we just, it's just never ending. I think one of the, one of the great things about TFT is that there's so many more, like, the, the higher you get, the more sort of like hills there are to climb. Like there's mm-hmm. a big difference between being a hundred LP and 400 LP. And then you got to go from 400 LP to 700 LP. Yep. Oh man, I'm 700 yep. LP now, but I'm not 1K. So I need to be 1K. And it's a really like fascinating sort of, microcosm of, of, a, of a competitive community where there's like all these little ladders within ladders that uh, exist in a very special area speaking of places with hundreds and hundreds of ladders i want to shift over to soul who has been playing on the chinese client for the last couple of weeks yeah this man it's fun this server with hundreds of challenger play like thousands of servers with ch- different challenger players all over the place uh, how are you enjoying that experience uh, it's been alright. Yeah, so what is it? Sixteen servers. Each server hosts several hundred million players. Every server rank one has like three hundred tally slots. I think rank one is like twenty five hundred LP <laughs> on every single server. Um, yeah, yeah. No, it's been good. Um, it was fun. Um, I got. I think I picked like two hundred twenty LP. I mean, I haven't actually played as much as I would have liked because it's been busy. But it's been really fun. Uh, it's really, I mean, just play, I mean, I think this is the case when you play in any different region, but I think it, especially because it's an Eastern region, uh, really opened my eyes to just different ways to play the game because the meta there is like not even remotely close to the meta in NA and OCE. Um, people value, like people have different, like, sorry, people prioritize different things. People play completely different boards. Um, like, yeah, yeah. So it's been really fun. I want to ask a sort of a general question at the moment i'll start with you tomorrow what do you think of the state of the game at the moment we're getting towards a mid-set now uh which we may touch on very slightly later on but at the moment this is where the game sort of slows down a little bit you know people start getting ready for the mid-set they start looking up all the leaks oh my god i'm so excited for pbe what do you think the sort of the state of the game is like at the moment uh yeah so in terms of like meta i think i think it's fine um there was a few bad patches uh this set personally i'm not much of a reroll player so whenever rerolls meta like right now there's cog uh, cog reroll protector rerolls i absolutely hate it if there's a reroll comp that you can force every game and top four i think it's just bad it needs to be nerfed um but of course like like i really really liked seeing when trundle fell out of meta and then i saw like keen play it in top four because he had a really good angle to do so and so, like, when, when reroll comps get nerfed, but you have, like, a really, really good spot to play it, I'm, like, more than happy to see it top four. Uh, just not a fan of when you can force it. So I think the meta right now is fine. I think innovators are a little bit overtuned uh, with, like, everyone, like, running around uh, Seraphine. I watched a lot of Aces stream today, and he was basically just forcing innovators most games. And the amount of consistency he pulled off whilst having some, like, really suboptimal boards uh, is... Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was, yeah, it was just like eye opening to see that it's really good. Um, I'm also not that much of a fan of how four cost one stars are just really, really weak in the current meta. One star Seraphine, he was saying was fine, but like if you if you high roll a Yone one early or a Ergot one early, 
you don't even want to play it because like you have to play item holders two stars before you can even get to a board that can support that unit and so i don't think that they should be like a high roll but i do think that they should at least be like somewhat viable where you can play them in some instances because right now yeah i'm not a big fan yeah i think um uh, yeah yeah i think it, it's really interesting at the moment there's a lot of um i mean there's a lot of priority of different things of course but i mean it's sort of a kind of shako has sort of spent the whole set like trying to figure out his exact place in the meta and it's like there's like two people every every lobby now yeah. playing playing because um, uh broken <laughs> playing it it's kind of ridiculous um but at the same time these kind of problems will not last for forever i mean these uh we're going to be seeing a significant amount of change tomorrow i want to ask you more specifically when you sort of look throughout set six uh we were pretty vocal on this podcast like I don't want to see we don't want to see Colossus in 6.5 like don't even think right. about putting like Tom Kench in 6.5 like man I don't want Syndicate anywhere near <laughs> any of my like stuff like get this out of here get this out of here like yeah, fuck yep. Galio like yep. what are your what you, what what were your sort of like oh man like maybe we should get rid of maybe we should get rid of this or I really want this to stay like what what were your sort of initial thoughts on that Okay, so things that I really like didn't like. I from the from the get-go, I saw Syndicate as a design, like as the champion design. The fact that they had two bodyguards built in, the fact that they had two sins built in, and like obviously you're gonna be capping your board with two-star Akali. I just saw it from the very beginning as the most high roll and like poorly designed trait. Because you're either hitting an Akali two-star and winning the game, or you're just not, right? And so like now it's better where they can make Shaco a carry and you have other outs. But I also feel like Shaco is a like the way that they designed him just made it so that he's either going to be broken or he's going to be like completely hot garbage. So, uh, yeah, I wasn't a big fan of Syndicates. Um, Colossus, I don't know. I didn't have too much of an issue with them, but again, it seems like a really, really tough trait to to balance. Um, and then Kench, like probably a lot of people like don't like him. I could see that you guys want him out. Um, I had so much fun this set playing him into boards where he doesn't belong eating that brawn two star or that vex three star and winning the game that way and i saw that as like a lot of skill expression where a lot of people would you know like just not take kench in their shop uh that being said though i never really learned how to play like kench carry like i, I was awful at it every time <laughs> i tried to feed him he wouldn't give me any items and i, and I have a love-hate relationship with him where i go all right i'm done with you i'm never feeding you again and then and then i'd get like a two-star kench and i'm like all right i gotta feed him this time uh, and you'd, you'd, you'd be chasing that one game where he gives you like 10 items and, you know, you get that, uh, yeah, you get that insane high of just like your board's amazing and you're chasing it every single game. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I like, I like Kench, even though I don't know how to use him that well uh, in terms of as a carry. Yeah. Anything, um, is there anything in this set that you like absolutely love that you're like, damn, I really want, I really want to keep playing with that, that trait, that comp, that unit for like coming up into 6.5? like i'm trying to think of like early games like some units like i really liked i really like trundle as a design how you could just like steal ad um like a little bit obnoxious i'm trying to think of things that i actually like really enjoy playing it's to me it's not so much like i think the design's cool it's just like if i have fun playing that champion there's so, like it's really hard to explain but champions like trundle champions like fiora i just had so much fun playing with them even when fiora was garbage at the start of this set everyone would just play yone carry the whole time I would be trying to make Fiora work because I just thought she was a cooler champion than Yone at the start of set. <laughs> um, so yeah, if, if Fiora goes, then I'm going to be sad. Uh, but 
Uh, yeah, not not too many. I, I love to play, I love to play flex. So there's no there's no champion that I go. Oh, this is the champion that I love to play and I want to play around. Like I I have so much more fun playing flex because I just get bored playing the same comp and same units. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about a little bit about flexible play in in general. Do you think? I mean, it's a bit of a loaded question, but uh, that's the way you like to play. Do you do you think sort of objectively that's one of the most enjoyable ways to to play the game? uh enjoyable yeah probably i can't see anyone playing the same reroll comp over and over again and saying yes i'm having the most fun i could possibly be having um but i do see the argument to be made that like if you play around similar trait like comps you're obviously going to climb better it's i always bring back the analogy of league of legends where like if you're a ribbon one trick or a yasuo one trick then obviously you're gonna like you, you're gonna have bad matchups but you're still gonna be favorable because you're just better at the champion and it's the exact same in tft where if you like whenever people are asking, how do I get out of diamond? How do I get a masters? I say, oh yeah, like stick to two to three comps and just and focus on that. Um, but me personally, like I'm always playing to improve rather than like to get that extra like you know a little bit of more LP that next top four. So if there's a new comp that I think could genuinely be stronger than meta, then I'm always down to to learn. And I think that's much more enjoyable, uh, like evolving yourself as a player rather than just trying to climb in the immediate like coming days. Yeah, it's it's very fascinating. <laughs> Let's um uh, let's shift to sort of talking about content. We, you, I mean, you're on a podcast right now. We are creating TFT content, but you are someone who's uh, branched over from the Twitch sphere into into YouTube as well. Someone who makes uh, gameplays, guides, discussions, th- your thoughts about the game, sort of in uh, uh, sort of a, a an essay analytical style sort of form. You know these kind of things. Uh, what drove you to that? that area of content okay so yeah so slight correction i did technically start on uh youtube before twitch uh yeah yeah but it was very very quick turnover so (laughs) i had a i had i still do have a a rust youtube channel uh and so i got that to 15k um and so like it was like decently big not huge or anything um but i've always been into content creation i used to make like league of legends videos csgo highlights then I moved on to Rust, and then eventually I made a few Rust guides, and they were very, very well received. I like kind of blew up from the guides, and then I was like, "All right, well, I'll just keep making more guides." Um, once I hit, I think it was I hit Diamond in TFT, and I just I made I made one video just saying like how I got to Diamond, and then once I hit Challenger, I was like, "All right, now I can actually start posting videos, and people will be interested in listening because, well, at least I have that badge that says, you know, like I understand the game." Um, and then so I basically just took everything that I'd learned from the past like six, no, probably more, probably like six to eight years on YouTube of of Rust, League of Legends, CSGO, and all the editing skills uh, and thumbnail design, uh, marketing, all those kind of things, and just brought it all to TFT. And I, sh- I saw a lot of um, growth in a short amount of time, and that's kind of how I wanted to transition into Twitch. I basically just advertised my Twitch and my YouTube, and then that's how I got like a small following on Twitch as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fantastic. And um, from, I mean, there's a big difference between Rust and TFT. You want to talk to me a little bit about some of the things that you learned from making, like you've learned from making TFT content? Uh, Yep. So some of the things that I've learned, um, okay. Well, I can can start with like some of the things that I learned from uh, like Rust. So all the videos that I made in Rust, uh, I feel like I learned a lot when I was editing to try and reduce... uh, like repeating my trying to reduce repeating myself trying to reduce uh like redundancies within the video 
because I got a lot of support on my other videos, specifically with people in the comments saying like, I really enjoy this video because I didn't feel like you were like rambling on about anything. And so in most of my videos, um, I do voiceovers, but I never do it in one take. I don't sit there for 10 minutes and do a continual voiceover because then I find I'm stuttering a lot. I, like I have to think back to what I actually wanted to say. So when I, when I do voiceovers, I do probably maximum 20 seconds at a time. So if you notice in my videos, there shouldn't be too much of an overlap. There shouldn't be too many stutters uh, when I'm speaking. Uh, but if you come on my Twitch, then yeah, you'll see a lot more stuttering. <laughs> <laughs> or slipping on my words that's the nature of live content though isn't it i mean even even on this podcast you know like we we were sort of just like look don't worry if you don't know an answer to something just like take your time chill out that's sort of how the uh, the um the the nature of the the live content goes um what do you think is is like something that you're really proud of um for your tft content do you think that like do you think that there's room for improvement in that area do you think like this is a, you're at a good place with it, you know, cause you're, you're really growing. Like your, your content is growing, your channel's growing, your audience is growing. It's great to see. Yeah. Um, okay. So what am I most proud of? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I was pretty proud with the, the quality of the content, uh, like at the very start, uh, because obviously when I first started, I had like 10 subs, just like all my friends and, um, and yeah, I don't know. I would like, I would look at the videos and go, okay, yeah, this is like, I'm, I was putting in as much effort as I could to make it actually look nice. I was putting in a little bit more effort into, into specific edits. Like I was adding in a few different animations. I was making, uh, like changing music volumes and just making my first couple of videos to the point where if you saw it and you saw that this channel had less than a hundred subs and you saw that this was the quality of videos, uh, you'd want to subscribe. That was the, my, my goal going in. Um, and so my first like four videos, I think I was very, very happy with the quality and proud of that. Uh, I do think there's always room for improvement, of course. Um, one thing you'll notice, like, no matter how, like, uh, good or bad you think someone is at, like, doing their job, people always have insecurities. And I feel like content creators have that uh, to a very, very high extent. So you could, you could get like a hundred comments saying like, oh, wow, your quality is so good. Like, this is all amazing. And you get one comment that just says, oh, you're a bit lazy here. Oh, you really shouldn't have done that. And it'll, it'll stick with me. Like, I'll, I'll say yeah. that and go, yeah, he's right. He's a hundred percent right. I should have done this better. And it, yeah. You always get it. It, no it, it only takes one, right? It, it literally yeah. only takes one. Mm. Yeah. David, um, I, mm. David, very recently. Well, I, I say recently in in times of um in times of recently. Who really knows? This was a couple of months ago. Now, David started up his YouTube channel. Um, oh God! With an idea. Of, <laughs> I don't even know that counts. Of making more uh, uh, TFT content. It's a work in progress. <laughs> so I wanted to know, Dave, David, specifically, do you have any questions for someone like Tamara, who's sort of in the, oh. middle, in the middle of doing this kind of thing this sort of a tft content style <laughs> oh god i mean tomorrow's content is like the content that like i can only dream of you know making. <laughs> no but seriously though um I, I i did like one episode i did like one single like guide video kind of not really it was more just like a comp list and like my thoughts because mm -hmm. i hit I think on OCE, I was like the 15th player to hit masters at, at like the very beginning when everyone was like hot sweating. I was like, oh, I'll make a video. And then like, I literally ran into all the problems that Tamara just listed, where if you just do it in one take, you're just super rambling, you're stuttering all over the place. You're like, you're just like, wait, I lost my train of thought. Oh, fuck. And I realized that like, it's a ton of editing. Like there's a lot of editing that goes into it. And then like... Like low key, you might even like want to like I might like even want to look into like scripting and everything like that. 
So yeah, it's a long way of putting like I realized it's infinite work, and uh, <laughs> I'm a bit lazy. <laughs> <laughs> You guys couldn't tell uh, for those of you listening soul does not edit this podcast he would go crazy <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. but uh, um, i don't know it's it's something it's something i might look into the future but like i think if i was to do it if i was to actually try to do it legitimately uh i would look into hiring an editor to help me out because uh ugh, i can't do it myself <laughs> tomorrow i want to ask you about the sort of the the next stages of tft content um is there a is there a like a space for growth in TFT content? Is there like you you see all the time with with different games? And I, you said you know you talked about sort of CS:GO highlights and highlights of of things from years and years ago that you sort of used to post and all that kind of thing. All of that stuff has has changed over time. Do you think that TFT will go un, undergo sort of a, a very similar rationale where now we've got a lot of gameplay or we've got a lot of guides? Do you think that? Maybe we'll see shorter videos. We'll see longer videos. It, it's very um, TFT in itself is like a half an hour. You know, every game is half an hour, forty five yeah, minutes. Right, yeah. Do you think that eventually we're going to start seeing short form content take over? Is there is there always going to be long form content? Uh, where do you see it sort of taking um, itself? Yeah. Okay. So right now there's uh, there's guides, there's gameplay videos, and there are a few short channels. Uh, from the top of my head, I think it was Sean TFT that I used to watch a lot of. And it was basically he'd play normal games on very, very low MMR accounts, trying to get like the most ridiculous comps just because they like for a clickbait title. Um, and like more power to him, like it, the, the videos were entertaining. It, he would clickbait something really, really crazy, and you click on it, and that's exactly what you get. Um, so outside of those three, those three areas of gameplay, uh, short, like ridiculous content and guides. I don't know. Like, if someone else comes up with something that's entertaining, then they'll they'll skyrocket, right? Um, but like off the top of my head, I can't really think of like the next the next best thing. Um, that being said, though, I have seen a lot of different games where people do create the next best thing, and it does really well for them. They make a channel, they blow up. Um, usually, like it'll be something it'll be something just like you wouldn't expect. Like in a PvP game, they make they make role player things. So like you know, they make something different and. And if someone can do that in TFT, then I'm sure they've got a bright future ahead of them. But I can't think of anything off the top of my head. It's not an easy question. I think one of the interesting things about about TFT is that no game is the same, but at the same time, I've always felt like every TFT game is exactly the same because you really are playing on a on a very similar playing field all the time. But Set 6 did change that quite a lot. And I will say that that's one of the, the most enjoyable things about uh, Set 6 is that every game does feel a majority difference. Would you... um? Would you say that overall you've enjoyed set six like you liked it as a whole i mean you've done some incredible things already in in a number of areas this set do you are you enjoying it uh yeah definitely more than uh previous sets um yeah i don't know i like every set has to have a gimmick i much preferred the chosen set so they'll set four over set five the shadow mm -hmm. items really didn't do it for me i just found that every single shadow item was like all right you need to have healing like you get a better item, but you need to have healing. Otherwise, you're just going to kill yourself because they just uh, get damaging themselves, like a lot of them. Um, and I don't know, a lot of people like whinged about the fact it's like, oh, now I have to remember more memory um, recipes. But that wasn't really it. It was just that it was just very, very dull and boring. Um, but I remember even during the set, they were saying, oh, no, don't worry. Set six is going to be the one where we're putting in all our effort. And I was always like very hesitant. But no, they they actually pulled through. It's it's been it's been great. Uh I've had a lot of conversations and I've had a lot of people like crying in, in my comments, crying on Reddit about just 
you know, your augments just determine whether or not you win. And I'm sitting here like, look, if you're a, if you're a top challenger player, no matter what elo you're in, you could get to challenger in a small amount of games. Like the augments aren't that bad and they've only gotten better. They were a lot worse before. Like when they had it, they had it at one yep. point where it was like, sure. your team counts as two extra protectors. And I just looked at that and I'm like, but but then you don't actually get to put the protector spat on anyone. And I was thinking like, yeah. why is that a why is that a tier three augment? There was a couple of those, but they they fixed them. They they they've made it a lot better. And it's it's never going to be perfect. But um no, I think they've done a great job this set, and I'm very excited for set six point five. Yeah, so your thoughts? Uh, it's definitely getting better for sure. Um, I think it's still not perfect, but I think that set six. Oh, how do I say this? I think set six was almost like. Like a really good sort of, I want to put it. I want to say it's like a almost like a beta test of like augments as a concept, if that makes sense. Because I've seen some yeah. of, I've, I've like, I, you know, we're going towards detail this maybe next episode or, episode or like at some point about the new augments. But um, I think that like yeah, the the we, we, we they started off really strong um with the augment concept and also the fact that it's sticking around set seven anyway, um or some form of it, right? But um. I think that currently, with the way that the augments are designed, it does leave a little bit to be desired. I think that there are a few too many trade-focused ones that lock you particularly like early into specific like playstyles or specific, um, you know, specific things. Um, I think that is definitely it feels bad. Um, it definitely like you, you know there are going to be a percentage of games where your augments do like determine like do make a difference like make a very very big difference and i think that like it's nowhere close to the amount that like people are obviously complaining about like it's maybe like three four percent of your games where you know you actually got offered unplayable augments and some of it honestly is to just do it to is it's not even the organ salt. Some of it is actually to just do with the algorithm, if anything. Like, for example, like, you're playing, like, an AP comp, and then the game offers you Knife's Edge, and you're just like, oh, okay, cool. I'm picking between these other two. And you're just like, okay, uh, all right, sure. And then it's like, it's like uh, all other ones, you know, you, you have, I think, it's just getting fixed next patch, by the way. But, like, right now, it's like, you can run zero Arcanist in your board, but the game can give you Arcanist Crown, like, the one that gives you two Arc stats. You can get offered an Arc, like, two Arc stats. Because the Vultox reasoning, with their original reasoning, was like, oh, you can, you can slash two arc into any comp, right? <laughs> but um, but no, I think in general, like for sure, like uh, it's 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 not to the it's not even close to the the, the degree to as bad as like they say it is. Um, like people have said it is, and I think that like the augment system has a lot of promise. Yeah, definitely, and I, I'll just uh, sort of update this for everybody as of like half an hour ago they released all of the like set like the set 6.5 augments and the champions they remove it a whole bunch of stuff leaked basically about half an hour ago as of recording we're not going to talk about it in detail tonight come back next week we will talk about it we don't want to overwhelm uh first of all tamura because he came on with a very specific idea in mind of what we wanted to talk about but also us i don't want to read every augment for the next 45 like for 45 minutes and then delay the podcast so we will talk about it uh we'll talk about it very briefly at the end of the episode but we will uh, we'll come back next week and we'll do a full deep dive into everything i think that's the most important thing we're going to move on now to our major topic of discussion something oh, yeah. very timely because it occurred ages ago and <laughs> we've only just got around to doing it. <laughs> and that is the challenger series uh something that our guests competed in and did an absolutely fantastic job of um progressing through 
and we wanted to talk about it. Um, I'm, before we get into the nitty gritty, into the big details, into into sort of game by game breakdown, how was the tournament experience for you overall? Like, yeah, it, amazing. I, I absolutely love tournaments. Um, when I was in, so I'm, I'm still in uni actually, and I played in like golden under tournaments for League of Legends. Like, it's a bit of a, a bit of a piss take because everyone's just kind of like mucking around. Everyone's gold. Like, no one's really good at the game. But I absolutely love the the like thrill of competing, uh, even if it's not like an extremely high extent. I played a lot of competitive uh, soccer, football when I was growing up, um, and I stopped that in around year eleven. But like, I went on tour. I went to like, uh, what was that? I went to like the Gold Coast. I went to Sweden, and like, it's kind of like bringing me back those memories of just like being able to compete at an extremely high level. And it's nowhere near the same as like competing on ladder. Like on ladder, the first time I ran into like Keen on solo queue. Like my heart was racing, I was having so much fun. But then it goes away. It goes that that goes yeah. away so quickly. Whereas I've played in three tournaments now, and every single time I've had a blast. Uh, I played in the two open qualifiers, and I played in a challenger series. And yeah, I absolutely love it. It's it's so much fun competing. That's one of the great things about being about sort of getting when you know you're improving. I'll um I'll sort of speak about an anecdote of mine i was very similar i played a lot of competitive sport when i was a kid but i used to play competitive hearthstone and for those of you who played hearthstone and know who um brian kibler is he was one of the very oh yeah kibler. one of the biggest um hearthstone players of sort of like 2015 2016 he was massive he was huge and the first time i ever played against him was on his stream and i was shitting myself I could not believe the, where I was, what I was doing, why I was there. He spent the entire time calling me an asshole because I was beating him. And I got to the end of the game and I was like, I looked away from my computer and I was like, I made it, man. I made it. I made it. That's it. That's me, dude. I'm never coming back from here. And then the next time you play somebody that's good, you get over it. And that's it. And then you just, yeah. you just realize that that's going to be exactly where you are. It's really, it's really fascinating that um the competitive spirit uh radiates through tft because the way that the challenger ladder works basically you're playing against mostly really really good really sort of popular famous people in most of pretty much every single game you play and that's one of the nice things about the OC community, everyone's very friendly everyone's very welcoming we get to do nice things like this introduce people to other people's communities help them grow help that help us learn about them etc etc i want to sort of keep talking about the challenger series though because it was a big deal it was a big deal you did absolutely fantastically we don't have to go game by game by game minute by minute <laughs> but i want to sort of talk about your like ideas for the tournament like what did you go into the tournament wanting to do because you had a pretty set play style throughout the whole thing you changed it up pretty consistently every game like you weren't ever very um predictable you didn't start the same items all the time what were what were your sort of goals for for the event itself yeah okay so uh going to the tournament i was a very ad player uh i never really liked lux in the entirety of the set i've never really liked it no, we uh, because you need to get like you need to get best in, you need to get best in slot you need to have good augments you need to have six arcanists you need to be high hp because you're going to lose into certain matchups so i just like never i never really liked it i hadn't really grasped the concept of like playing around chalice seraphine oriana but in 
But I don't think many other people had either. I don't. I, I, I don't know if I'm remembering this correctly. Was Charles buff after the Challenger series? Because that's when no, everyone was started during, using it. It was during Challenger series, but it was like it was still low key. Like yeah, so not everyone was. Did it happen the yeah. week, Cause, cause the week it, of, right? But yep. there was initially okay. a like Chinese meta adaptation, like playing the Chalice Ori stuff, and then it slowly made its mm -hmm. way to EU, but it hadn't like fully made its way to NA yet. And NA Chalice series was like right before our one, right? So yeah. I think NA players had just started learning how to play Chalice, but then we 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 hadn't learned shit because we get all yeah. stuff, we yeah. get all our scraps from NA, we got all our text from NA, right? So so no one OC like really knew how to play Chalice stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that like, yeah, I just wasn't comfortable with that either. So my game plan was a uh, uh, Fiora, Urgot, Yone, Jin, basically. Uh, like, if I had a really good reroll opener, I would have played it. Uh, but in basically all of my games, I was just looking to go fast eight and play a strong board. I went into the tournament with a top four mentality, uh, which you definitely saw in day two, um, because I'm in a tournament environment. I didn't really have the confidence or to back myself and go fast nine uh, in a lot of situations. And uh, it's definitely something that I'll be doing more VOD reviews with other high elo players and looking to see angles where I can go nine. Because literally the, the day or the second day after Challenger Series, I went on ladder and I started trying to go fast nine because Angora sent me a DM just saying like, oh, you had a lot of spots where like you basically like made decisions which put you in a top four position, which was what I was planning on doing. But then I started trying going fast nine on ladder and it, uh, like, it, it surprised me how quickly I could go nine. And in a lot of situations, I would just keep donkey rolling on eight. So it's definitely something that I needed to improve. But yeah, I wanted to play around those four. And I think it was a bit of a meme. Uh, I think I got it from Carde or something, Fiora 77. Uh, because on the last, I think on the last day, on the second day, I like, I think I was only Fiora. I played like Socialite Fiora. I played Bruiser Fiora. I played Challenger Fiora. Just like, <laughs> because I was hitting Fiora 2 before I was hitting Yone 2. So I never got a situation where I could play Yone over Fiora, if that, if that makes sense. Um... But yeah, that was yeah, that was basically my game plan going in. Uh, top four mentality. But I actually started the tournament off with an eighth on the first day. And so there's only, I think there's only five games on day one. And I was streaming at the time. And so when I got that eighth, I like uh I had to like full re reset my mental. Because I, I knew that if I bought for the next game, I was just gonna play the rest of the four games in an absolutely awful state. I would have felt I just would have felt like so disheartened because I knew that I probably wasn't gonna qualify after that. Um but luckily, I got a first in my second game. So that kind of just completely reset my mental. And yeah, it felt a lot better. Interesting. Yeah, there's chaos in chat. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's very, it's very fascinating because, um, you know, we, both of us, we had discussions with uh, other challenger players, other sort of big players, looking back through the tournament because we knew we were going to discuss it. We knew we were going to have a big look at it. Do you find that kind of feedback with other high quality players i mean angora especially someone who's always very keen to to participate and, and help out and work with other high elo players do you find that to be like a really helpful experience yeah 100 percent uh you learn infinite by watching streamers by having other people watch your own gameplay uh personally i'm just too lazy to watch my own gameplay i told i kept telling myself i'm gonna do it before the msi like i'm gonna spend one day where i'm just gonna watch my vods but as of yet, I've just been too lazy because it's not it's not fun watching your own gameplay. I don't know if that's just me or not, but it seems like just really, really boring. Uh, but when I watch other streamers, uh, I learn a lot because they'll say something and they'll have very strong opinions and you just quickly uh, you just quickly pick it up. Um, but no, I was really appreciative of uh, Angora giving me 
because he just like he just he, he gave me a nice message just saying like oh you play like really consistently you were really great like a couple of things on a few decisions and you'll be like a really successful player and so instantly i was like all right tell me what those things are like don't don't like sugarcoat it i want to know what the mistakes i was actually making and then so he gave me like a big paragraph like going over some of the areas where like it was pretty clear that these were big mistakes um and so in the last week i think i spoke to him before i'm hopefully going to do some vod reviews with him and any other oceanic challenger players or any challenger players for that re- uh, matter i'm more than happy to do uh like vod reviews coming up to msi um i'm one that can take criticism really well even in like even in my twitch chat if i'm playing like regular games if someone says like this is better than that if i disagree i'll say but if i don't then you know i'll take it um and i think like dropping your dropping your ego uh so that you can soak in more information is a huge like um is a huge positive and a huge gain if you want to actually become like a really good player yeah, yeah it's nothing uh i think hubble's you faster than uh angora dumping paragraphs on you and how badly you played <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear about a little bit about uh, what's coming up next, though. We are going into MSI. We're getting into sort of the business end of the competitive season. What are your, um, well, I mean, obviously the goal is to be a world's attendee. You're a competitive guy. You want to go as far as possible. Talk to me about how you're planning to prepare for these kind of events. <clears throat> okay, so MSI is on the, uh, what's it called? That's on the 11th. Um, so I've got just over a week to prepare for that. Uh, in the final week is probably when I'm going to really start like trying as much as possible. Um, and I don't really have any excuses. I've got uni in a month. So I have, yeah, I have a lot of free time to to give it my all. And I know that if I get to MSI and I hadn't, you know, prepared as much as I could have, I'm going to be disappointed if I play poorly. Um, if I low roll on the day, then I'm fine with that. But if I, if I make a lot of mistakes and I know that I could have done better, I'm going to be, yeah, I'm just going to be disheartened. So going into prepare, I'm going to be doing as many VOD reviews as possible, spamming solo queue, and then I'll probably do some like VOD reviews myself. Uh, recently, uh, just to relax, like I've kind of taken a break from watching like Netflix and Disney Plus. I've just been watching like Twitch streams at night. Uh, like when I'm eating my dinner, uh, when I'm like, yeah, having dessert or whatever, I'll just like make myself a tea and just just watch Twitch uh, streams. Because there's so, there's so many great ones out there. And now that I've started to actually follow like, I probably follow 20 to 30 challenger TFT streamers on Twitch. There's always someone live, um, which is which is more entertaining for me than VOD reviews. But on top of that, I was watching uh, Jirachi's stream because he was doing VOD reviews with like, who did he have in call? It was like Chunga, Chaos, no, not Chunga, sorry. Um, Jose, Chaos maybe was in call. There was like four oh, of them yeah. in call. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the one yeah. where uh, Jirachi reviewed the uh, challenger series, right? And I think yeah, was. yeah, yeah. Oh, no, that's right. They were roasting Chunga. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They were roasting Chunga. Yeah, 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 that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Those are great. Those are great. Because you get like four to five different people all kind of pitching in their two cents. And then you get outcomes like a really good quality uh, stream where you can just soak up as much information as possible. Because uh, you have a couple of times where even like the challenger, the top challenger players, they're all going, Oh, is this correct? And all three of them at the same time go, "Oh, I don't know." Like, so they, you can see, you can see when something's indecisive or when something's like really fifty-fifty. But then there's a lot of times where they'll say, "Oh, this is terrible," and I'll be sitting there like, "Okay, PPG, like, yeah, like, like noted." I um, I would have done something completely different there. So that's good to hear that like four people are in sync against me because it means that you're probably wrong in a lot of those situations. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, we got a really, um, we got a good one for that as well. I mean, basically any tournament that happens in OCE, 
the day or two later you'll always find a bunch of high elo players sort of dissecting it which is great and i mean jirachi they do amazing content they're brilliant i'm very um very excited you know we will have jirachi on on the podcast at some point which is really exciting i know that they are transitioning into content creation and becoming a caster so that is uh it's, it's fascinating so cool really looking forward to that in the future i want to sort of wrap up our challenger series discussion with um with talking about the format of tournaments itself there's a lot of discussion and every server every different time yeah i want to get a player i want to get a, a player's opinion someone in the tournament itself what are your thoughts on the format you get points and then all of a sudden you win one game and you win what do you think of that as sort of a what do you call it checkmate format i guess um yeah okay so obviously a lot of people don't like to check the what's it called checkmate yeah checkmate yeah, um right. format where you have to actually get a first to win uh personally like absolutely like no like logic behind it i am in favor of checkmate because i just like from an entertainment perspective i can see why they have to have it as a first um i don't yeah i can't ever see me getting that hype over coming second and then winning the whole tournament like it just it just wouldn't it would feel like i've just robbed i've just robbed like a victory if you qualify through point, points or uh you know that setting um but then obviously i can see both sides like i can see why it's annoying that that you need to get a first because it doesn't suit certain people's play style and it also can be very rng like did you get mercs at 2-1 did you get yordles at 2-1 uh those kind of things um but no the the tournament format for the challenger series look it's over five games um which is a little like obviously five games is like never it's never going to be enough right you can have like you can have 10 games you can low roll three of them and then you know you're playing from behind um but i actually didn't mind the challenger series because five games felt like even though like i started the game with an eighth i managed to come back right and even if i hadn't high rolled and gotten like i think i got two firsts I, I still could have qualified through points if I just like just barely scraped through. Um, and so five felt fine. But for me, it's not so much about how bad one tournament's uh, like qualification, uh, like how you qualify is. Because in Oceania, at least, um, you can qualify through ladder. So like even if you low roll in all your tournaments, if you're a consistently top player, like if you're in top 10 challenger, the odds are that the top four players or at least like some of the top 10 players are going to qualify through Open Cup and they're going to qualify through Challenger Series. So you just stay in the top like 10 and you're probably going to get into into regionals that way. And so I like the balance that Oceania has done. Um, I also did like the idea of the points resetting. I heard about the controversies of what happened to, Ra I think it was Ramkev, who went like really, really well in the first three games and then average on the next three, but the points reset. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was just, that was terrible. Yeah, because that, that was only three games. Our points reset after five games. So five five yeah. seems a little bit better. Yeah. I think so. And we sort of had a big discussion about this. I'm in total agreement with you, by the way. I think, like, the hypest way to make a TFT tournament the most interesting is the dude that wins the last game wins. Yep. That's the and best the way to do yep. it. And that, yeah, you sort of have to build around that. You sort of, because you're right about the, cli the anticlimactic nature of it. If you don't end the tournament on a guy who pulls out all the stops to win against all the odds, like, what's the point, yep. really? What is the point yep. of the tournament? It feels a bit anticlimactic. You never get to the end of a, a whole tournament and the guy that wins comes fifth, you know, like by the end of it. You're like, oh, well, okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So I you have to build you have to build from 
the guy that wins the last game wins. Is there a way to improve that? Yeah. Probably. There's probably a way to improve like the Swiss format. There's probably a way to give you more rounds of event. We've talked about that quite a lot, having more more games before the finals because you need to even out luck, basically. Luck versus skill. <laughs> um, it's an interesting one. It's very, very interesting. I think, um, uh, Sol, you had a, a good point about this too where you really talked mm. about the idea that uh, when it comes to card games specifically, we have like four days and 15 games worth mm. of understanding uh, do you want to expand on that a little bit yeah sure um so i mean i think yeah for those of you, for those people who don't know i've talked about this on uh, the pod but uh before i really played a lot of tft i was a competitive magic the gathering player um played a lot at like the sort of high levels uh used to travel around all the time for like tournaments and stuff um and so yeah a lot of these tournaments would be multi-day um, they would typically be uh, two-day events, um, kind of similar to how a lot of our TFT tournaments are actually structured. So, uh, in like a Magic the Gathering tournament, right? Uh, day one, you might play, you know, eight or nine rounds, and then depending on your performance in day one, uh, that will qualify you for day two. Uh, but the thing is that uh, I think the key difference is, is that your record carries over to day two, so you have extra incentive to do really, really well day one. But then on day two, basically, you're playing to qualify for uh, what's typically the top eight, which is the top eight players. Kind of similar to TFT, where we have like a final lobby, right? And then, yeah, once you get to that point, um, and then d depending on the size of the tourney, there might be like a day three where um, the actual top eight is played out. But, um, you know, the key difference is that um, in our TFT tourneys, you know, day one consists of maybe like five games. Whereas, as I mentioned earlier, in an MTG tournament, day one might be like nine rounds. Um, every round takes like an hour, uh, similar to like the amount of time a game takes. So the sample size is exponentially uh, bigger uh, in comparison. Uh, and, you know, this just results in that, uh, you know, the stronger players almost always sort of rise to the top and the, the weaker players are typically weeded out. Um, you know, like a weaker player might get really, really lucky and do all well day one, but they'll almost certainly never make it through day two because even if they like do really, really well day one, like day two, they'll only be facing like really, really, really strong players um and then yeah and they just get they just get wrecked <laughs> so yeah that's sort of how that works so i mean to just translate that into tft uh it definitely feels like right now we have like a sort of sample size issue where um a lot of these tourneys are just ending in like four three sometimes even like three i think i don't know if that's i don't know if that's like actually happening yet but it's theoretically possible for a for like a checkmate form a checkmate tourney to end in three games um, but typically it's like four or five, and it just does not feel like that that is the appropriate sample size at all. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a great point, because at the end of the day, we want to play as many games as possible. And I'm sure that, uh, you know, Tamari started with an eighth. So I bet you yeah. were wishing there was uh, yeah. two or three extra games. Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly right. <laughs> Uh, I am, uh, guys, we basically covered all the main topics that we wanted to, to discuss. Um, shockingly, we haven't been here for two and a half hours. We are going to translate oh, over to questions. So if you have any questions, uh, of course, we are recording live. If you do listen to the audio, we record live on Tuesday evenings, Australian Eastern Standard Time. But for question time, uh, if you are in the live Twitch chat, you feel free to send us a question. Until then, I hand it over to Sol, who talks about the questions that we received before the show. Take it away, yeah. Ben. 
So yeah, anyone in chat, um, as Bodhi just mentioned, um, yeah, feel free to drop questions at any point, but uh, in the background, we're just going to be talking, uh, going through some of your questions. Without further ado, uh, with set 6.5 coming so soon, uh, we excited, are we particularly excited for any of the leaks that we've seen so far? Yeah, we got this one. <laughs> uh, um, Anyone's welcome to start. We got this one about 15 minutes before we started, and about 15 <laughs> minutes before we started was when all the information came out. So I will under you will understand if we keep this short, but I'll we'll start with Timura. Uh yeah, okay. So yeah, I literally just saw like all of the augments and the stuff. Um <laughs> I, I I don't know, like I'm I'm obviously excited. Like the biggest thing for me that uh like not not really with the leaks, but just like the fact that it's like a fresh start until this new stuff and like dissecting all the information, I'm obviously excited about that. As for specifics, um I had a quick glance at all of the augments and I am looking forward to the fact that there are some kind of gimmicky ones. Um, but then at the same time, it's the double-edged sword where it's like, I don't want that showing up in my Challenger series <laughs> games. <laughs> what? I, don't, I don't want to get hit with those one where it's like a, you get a giant egg as a prismatic. It's like, oh yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want I don't want that showing up in my in my Challenger series. Uh, but uh, no, like I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to some of the things. I like the idea that they've taken in some of the augments, uh, I wouldn't like to say too much, but they have taken uh, from the current augments and just kind of apply them to other areas. So for example, they have Knife's Edge in this set, where it's obviously just for your front end comps where you've got AD units at the front. They've gone ahead and they've added another one, which is basically reverse Knife's Edge, where you get attack speed units for your back. Or they've done like a some other ones where they've done like mana regen. It's just that they've taken the cool concepts of these augments and just applied it to different types of units. And um, I'm excited to see how that all unfolds with all the new synergies and units. Yeah, that's a that's a great answer. I think uh, the one that made me laugh, and they'll change they'll change this before it comes it comes out. But there's a prismatic that gives you three five costs, three random five costs. So imagine if you got yeah. It. So uh, Sol and <laughs> I got that at one four. we got on chat. Just imagine that you get it at one four, <laughs> and you're just sitting there, and because you can get the same five costs. The, <laughs> you also you get a roll. He's got he's got pissed off five costs at one four. Yeah, pissed off five costs yeah. at one four. <laughs> Seems legit. Uh, I have faith that uh, they will not allow it to show up at one four. They'll never make it. But there's it's no so way funny. it shows up at one four. There's so no funny. way. Um, Can you imagine though? You get like a Nico start. <laughs> you just get dropped. <laughs> Nico start and four five oh, costs. God. Oh my god, that's great. Anyway, I, I got a really good question. We got a really good question from um, Switch OCE. So it says, uh, Sol referenced uh, MTG Tonys and more specifically a Pro Tour or Grand Prix uh, style format. Uh, do you think that this format makes sense for a smaller invite? Uh, sorry, for invite only small field Tonys like CFT, especially considering the downside of those, downsides of those nine round day ones in terms of fatigue and mental fitness? Ah, uh, the thing is, is that I would actually like argue the opposite, where I think that like, um, it actually would work quite well for a sort of day one format. Um, I think that like you would have to space out the games. Um, I, I think that like just playing nine games back to back would be very unhealthy. Uh, so you would definitely need to, you know, you 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 would you would probably you you would have to play like you know like three four games, have like a break for lunch, and then come back and play the rest or something like that. But I think that like yeah, something like like that kind of style gives you the sort of raw sample size you need. To actually thin, to actually effectively thin out a bigger field, right? So, like when you have when you're dealing with fields of like 250 to you know potentially even 300 kind of players, right? You have that many people. You're gonna have a lot of people who go like one 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 in their games, and when everyone just goes one 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 one, and you only play like five games, then 
you know, you could top four every game and not make it day two, easily not make it to day two. When in theory, like, you know, if you top four every game, that, that's, that should probably be good enough for day two. So, yeah, I, I think that, in my opinion, I think it makes more sense for the bigger field and the smaller field that we, we, you, you, can, you can argue for a smaller sample size. Yeah, fascinating. <clears throat> Hmm. The um, right. uh, yeah, we both yeah. come from card games, so it's very um, it's very the background here for us is like, man, I'm used to getting into this sweaty hall with 400 men that don't know how to shower, <laughs> and like 60 yeah. screaming kids, and from 8 a.m. until 7 p.m. All I'm doing is yeah. sitting there playing card games, sometimes until like 10. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm like, man, God, that was a great day. That's like some of my best memories, man. That's so cool, but it's not—it's not viable. It's, it shouldn't be viable. It shouldn't be the way they do it. I mean, most of the, um, like most competitive card games now are like being switched to online. They're changing the rules up. They're making it easier for people. They're not making it as intense. And I think that's a good thing. I think TFT will go the, will go the same way. Um, we've got Untied asking, uh, thoughts on a set long league as a tournament format? Same set of players playing every week, Fortnite. Uh, Tomorrow, your thoughts? Okay, so <clears throat> like weekly tournaments? Yeah, I'm all for that. I think I think in this set in particular, I don't like. I wasn't very competitive last, so I don't know how it was before. But it sounds like there are a couple of like private full fun tournaments coming up where they offer like little legends. Um, and there's a couple that was like the Alley Coin ones, so that's like cryptocurrency sponsored ones. And uh, obviously, I think it's like really cool if they just have like uh, it's like a lot of privately owned ones. So Riot does the big ones, mm. but then they've got um uh, other ones just coming up here and then. Because like I said before, I have a blast playing in every single competitive tournament. So so like the more of that is better. Um, the thing about the weekly ones, uh, it's very hard to get like every single challenger player at the exact same time, like on a Friday, especially if you're talking about like like six to nine games, like six to nine games. That yeah, uh, especially with people who like. I think a lot of uh, like high-end uh, challenger players are either at high school or they're in uni, right? So they're probably like they've they've probably got other priorities, and so um, yeah, it's very hard to get them all dedicated to one uh, to like one afternoon, one evening. Uh, like me personally, I struggled to like just barely uh, like work around my schedule uh, to to get on um, uh, the tournaments that I played in. The challenger series was fine because it was like it's a challenger series, so I was like, all right, I'm prepared to drop uh, like hanging out with with my friends or doing something because it's like this is the challenger series. But when I had um when I had the open cup qualifier ones, it was a little bit more awkward because it's like, oh, there's this going on, like uh, like which one am I going to choose, you know? And and if you consider the fact that there's like a hundred challenger players and you want to do weekly tournaments, yeah, you might run into those issues. But I guess it does help for um. Uh, if we're running to the, if we're running into the issue of that, we're not, uh, you know, like some of the big names are falling out of uh, because RNG or whatever. Um, but that's what the snapshots for, right? Like the snapshot mm. does that kind of already. Yeah. yeah. I think that um, to borrow from um, actually Hearthstone, uh, competitive Hearthstone. I think that this sort of format works beautifully for actually team-based, uh, team-based sort of tournies where um, I'll reference a very famous Hearthstone sort of like league style tourney that happened, which was called the uh, the Archon Team League. So basically what, 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 how it worked was, was that you had like eight, nine teams of, I think like three, four Hearthstone players on it each. And it would, it would be like, a, I think like a, like a 10 week kind of thing where every week different players would play 
um, so that like you could have conflicting schedules. Like you could like you could let's say you're part of Team A, right? You could play for Team A on like week one and sit out week two while your other teammates play. And then, like, the points and everything add up, right? And then so you rotate through your roster, essentially. So I think something like that could actually work out really, really well in TFT, right? You, you could have a... You could just take, like, the pool of, like, 100 challenger players, split them all into different squads. Like, I mean, it doesn't have to be 100 players, but, you know, you could form a bunch of different squads. And not everyone has to play every single week, you know? And then, obviously, you just collate the scores over time. And I think that that's something like that um, could definitely work out. It could be really, really cool. Tournament organizers. <laughs> write that down <laughs> yeah I, I think i guess one of the hardest things about tft right now is like well the tournament formats cover everything the tournament format i mean there's independent weekly tournaments there's independent monthly tournaments there's independent for fun tourneys there's all these different uh challenger events there's amazing uh events run by uh, community members and things like that out of their own pocket. I know that a lot of the initial OC tournament scene was run by like one guy. Uh, you know, he was just making tourneys because that's what he wanted to do. He wanted people to be able to play TFT weekly. He like put up a bit of his own money every time. Sometimes I know there's a guy from the UK. I'll shout him out here if nobody's heard of him. His name is Counterfeit. He does his own, like, pawnies that he casts. He just invites people and they play. He invites, uh, like, friends of his on to cast with him. And it's just, like, a great time. So these things are the way that TFT is made right now. And unless Riot has plans to basically um, monopolize all of that into one big league, then TFT is always going to relatively be a little bit fractured and that they should just try and make the competitive format as good as they possibly can realistically i think that the the most important thing that they can do right now is make a competitive format that people want to play and make make people want to come back for right now people are talking about not wanting to grind every time for snapshots snapshots are too bad snapshots are too hard whatever the case may be <laughs> um you know we've had a lot of People have a lot of issues with these kind of things. As imagine if they, they sort it out. And I will say, as we've talked about on this podcast and we talk about all the time, give Southeast Asia representation. They deserve to be able mm -hmm. to play. And I will add that to every podcast justice. until they do. Justice for C. Yeah, justice for C. You know, that's... Justice for C. That's it. We, um, we deserve... We deserve good tournaments we have lots of great tournaments and they have um they have a chance to make them good i think that there won't be uh there won't be this problem in a few in like a while you know in a little bit of time i think you know like i think that they're they're listening really really strong to a lot of these opinions and they do all they can it's not a big team we always forget that like tft is not a big Group of, it's not hundreds of people working on the one game. It is actually quite a small yeah. group of people. Very, working. very, very big game, like relative to other games like TFT in terms of player base, but actual people working on the game, not, not so big. <laughs> yeah. Not so big. So those people that are working on it, they're the ones that, that we have to talk to, we have to work with, and they're working their butt off because at the same time as all the complaints are going on they're making 
they're making new sets and they're fixing the sets that already exist and they're working with challenger players and you know who knows but at the end of the day we have to uh root for root for things going going our way with the group of people that we have let's uh that was a great question thank you very much for that question from Hmm. the chat all right. Uh, I got another one from chat. Uh, another question from Switch OCE. Uh, how do you feel about the current state of uh, TFT and RNG? This is actually a really interesting one. In this game, we can use uh, gold to impact the RNG of the champions that are available to us, but we cannot use gold to impact our item RNG. Imagine a TFT where magnetic removers and reforgers appeared in the shop, based on the same system as champions. Does this strike you as an interesting concept? And if it were to be, what do you think the value of these consumables would be in terms of gold? Wow. What a question. That's a really interesting question. I actually like not haven't really oh, ever thought was about that? Was that um was that Switch? Switch is uh, come in here Switch, it, it, yeah, Switch. come in here with two great questions. So thank you very much for that. This is one of the hard hitting questions. I'll give I some, actually really like this question. If everybody needs a second, I'll give some like like first thoughts. I'll give some like initial thoughts when I hear that. They've always said, believe it or not, Nico's help accounts for three gold. That's what they want it to basically be. So in Riot's opinion, you getting a Nikos is the same as somebody else getting three gold. You can believe that. You can choose to say that that's a good well, thing. Okay, can, can, I, can, I, can I quickly rebut? Just, just, can I yeah, just yeah. interject real quick? Sure. So, so like, y- yes, Nikos does equate to three gold, but with the nature of compounding gold, especially early, three gold realistically equates to, like, Maybe like 15, 20 gold over yeah. the course of the game because of the yeah. interest intervals you could have had. So I, I think it's closer to say Nico is closer to like, you know, 15, 20 raw gold, but it's three early gold, right? But yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to add that real quick. Yeah, no, you're totally <laughs> right. That was going to be one of, that was going to be one of my points. So I was going to say that it's, it's sort of like, it's sort of, <laughs> I'm so sorry. no, no, you're right. You're totally right. And it's yeah. a great jumping off point yeah. because hmm. Nico's is three fake gold. It's, hmm. it's hmm. not a realistic value. But getting three gold early is the difference between you making econ or not. So basically, you're getting two extra gold every turn than than everybody else, basically, in that regard. So you're consistently starting ahead of people. You're working with stuff that people just don't have access to because you have more money than them. And they have uh, significantly uh, eventually... Like, evened out these kind of things uh they've you know they've evened out the gold starts not everybody like not one person gets like a 15 gold start and one person gets three items and no gold like they've made it more consistent for everybody else i would say that like the there is very in my opinion there is very little inherent gold value in reforger and the item picky up in my opinion i think there's not a significant amount of value in it from a gold perspective, I wouldn't buy it over units like 90% of the time, but I also would have no idea how to do that because I've never, I've never Mm. played where I was given a shop that had an item remover in it or, or maybe I can make gold or maybe I can spend two to buy item remover or maybe I can make 20 this turn. But if I win, I have to sell the item remover I've got on my bench for gold. I think that one of the smart things that they did was bring them back. It was really good that they brought them back because I actually think they are very impactful in their own way. It's pretty good. Um, it's pretty enjoyable to to have them available to us. But, well, I mean, 
at the end of the day, I think chat wants to hear what Tamara's answer is to this. So we'll uh, we'll give Tamara a chance to, to discuss. Yeah, sure. Okay. So this is an answer to the question about like how much value I place on these items and like would I actually buy them uh, if they were in shop? Yeah, I think it's like I think it's like uh, yeah. if in a hypothetical world you could actually like yeah, buy would you actually buy them? Yeah, so so it's so ne probably never ever early game because like Sol talked about with the uh, the compound interest. Like if you were to spend like any amount of money on a reforger or a uh, magnetic remover, like no, you just wouldn't because they'd have to be like they'd have to be like one gold. Otherwise, you're just losing so much money to compound interest. Um, but the only thing I could really like see them as like super valuable is reforgers during the mid game. I could justify paying a little bit of gold. Uh, especially when you just some so like one of the worst things in tft rng in my opinion is if you get zero items at krogs or you get absolutely garbage items like you can't make you can't yeah. slam anything right because you're basically just taking an extra 20 to 30 damage when you didn't do anything wrong like you could rot you could you could level up to six all into zero gold and that then save hp but like you don't want to you never want to do that right so um that's just like a really bad form of rng and so i could i could see justification behind spending a little bit of money on reforges if your um if your krugs was really really bad or even if your wolves was really really bad um but you would never you would never want to take it early and then i could only really see justification for um uh magnetic remover late game if you're playing uh if you're planning to pivot your carries or if you're cheesing zephyr shroud things like that um but like we talked about before in this set, four cost one stars are really, really bad. So you want to be holding on to two cost, uh, two cost carries, sorry, two two star carries, whether it's a one cost, two cost, or a three cost. And so you you never really need the magnetic remover. You're gonna be you're gonna be swapping your carries anyway. And so I would put very, very low value on all of them. Uh, as for my two cents with the Nico opener, personally I'm I just really don't like like Nico opener because if you start off with it and you have no gold, uh, it puts you in a really, really awkward position. Um, and I find a lot of the time you never really want to Nico a four cost two star and like, you still need to hit your other upgrades, right? Like, let's say you Nico, let's say you Nico like an Ergot two star. If you've got a Mundo one and a Zach one or like, you know, Lissandra, you have to roll for those upgrades anyway. So there's very, uh, like few scenarios where I find, oh, like, thank God I had this Nico to save it. It's more like, oh, I'm on 20 HP. Let's just Nico the Ergot. So I'm not, you know, like I'm not dead. Um, but I guess if you're high rolling, if you're high rolling and you hit hit like a five cost uh, five cost pair, then yeah, you win out that way. But I don't like the idea of that being part of your game plan. Like, oh, I'm gonna hit a five cost pair, especially with the new changes to odds. So I'm not a fan of Nico. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't place much value on on the Reforger, the Remover. I could see some justification to to it in the mid to late game, but not very much. Something that I'd like almost totally forgotten is the lucky lanterns that we had in previous set yep. that actually mm -hmm. appeared in the mid game pretty often and a lot of the time you would get these items from them and they were actually really good <laughs> they were really really helpful it was they really, were really good it was really nice yeah. sometimes yeah. to get to like three five when and then you just have an extra reforger for the shit items that you got at krugs yeah or maybe you got like 15 gold at wolves and you really needed to pivot your carry but your board was really good and you had more gold than everybody else oh well now you've got remover so although they did not have a great impact on the game overall because they were very hard to balance i actually think the lucky lanterns did a really good job of 
giving you these options in the game, a bit like set six, where you get different options based on your augments. You actually had these options to play with your board, like interact more with your board during the game in the mid game. You felt more impactful. Your your items that you got felt more impactful because you could move them around. You could change things up a little bit more regularly than you can right now. <laughs> I just had the funniest thing I just remembered. Uh, you, you, guys, you guys all played uh, set six PvE, right? Does anyone remember the augment? That gave you like a reforger or a magnetic remover return. No, every removed. turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, it got what? removed. Uh, I don't know, I don't know if I ever turn. got that. I don't remember. Oh, that's right. It was scrapyard. Yeah. Hold on. It was scrapyard before it was reworked. It was every oh, okay. like two or three turns, you get a magnetic remover <laughs> or a reforger. <laughs> and it was like, what the fuck? Oh my and I just what are you going to do with all that? Yeah. I yeah. just want to see benches clogged up with magnetic re like removers and reforgers, and you can't even fucking pick up your items. <laughs> what the fuck is that? It was so bad. I just yeah. I just thought it was funny to bring up because I had forgotten. I, I, I like this. <laughs> yeah, I um I'd like to know you guys' thoughts on like you know how like every challenge you play out ever, like ever just says like best and slot is fake, right? Because like you play yeah. you play around your items, and you actually play your board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I found that I found that like uh I think it was set five point five. Like, Best in Slot was a lot less fake than it is now. Because yeah. I just remember, like, trying to play... I tried to play, like, a Felios, but if you didn't have Deathblade, like, Deathblade plus... If you didn't have know, a Rage Blade, blade attack speed, yeah, just give yeah, up. Yeah, it sucked, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And then if you're playing yeah. Lucian, and you don't, have, you don't have Giant Slayer or Last Whisper, you just get stuck on a tank, yeah. right? Yeah, um, yeah. This set, I feel like the odd... Like, Fiora can use, like, like literally anything. Uh, Urgot, not now as much, but before he could use Shiv, Runins, Last mm. Whisper... Deathblade combo, like you could throw anything on him and he'd be a decent carry. Your tanks can utilize literally anything, like any tank items, just chuck it on your front line. Um, uh, everyone except for like, there's a couple that need best in slot, like like Lux, which yeah. is why I don't like playing her. Um, but that's what I really liked about this set was I didn't feel like I was ever greeting. I was slamming a lot more the set and finding a lot more success just playing around my actual board. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, as opposed to the last set. The units are better this set. I think that's a big thing. The yep. units are way better. They do more damage. My, they have better yeah. abilities. They're not like super reliant on their innate, mm. like because Ophelios. I mean, you needed Ranger, you needed Rageblade, and you needed Deathblade. Yeah, you needed those three exact things well, just to make him a fucking yeah. unit. Not even make him good. He had to be. That was him. Like you needed those three things just to make him like fucking playable. So. Mm -hmm. From that point, I mean, he was pretty good to be fair. Yeah. When you had DVU, oh yeah, it was good. Yeah. Sure, it was great. It was <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, if imagine if you fucking didn't. I mean, I lo I lost like multiple games with like Aphelios three because I like I didn't have Rage Blade because they never fucking cast. He just mm. died. Like that's yeah <laughs> because they they I want to say they front loaded a lot of sorry power. you go you go. I was just gonna say they front they yeah. loaded a lot of power into the item synergies with abilities. Yeah, uh, they... I I, I want to say, sorry, I keep. No, no, you go, you go. <laughs> I'm just gonna let you finish, Brody. I'm so sorry. No, it's all right. All right. Well, I was only gonna finish off by saying, like, yeah. the 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 impactfulness of units alts were mm -hmm. much greater in that set. Yes. Yeah. Aphelios was a pea shooter until he altered. That's all he did. He just went beep, 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 and he did no damage. But then he altered and he killed the whole board half the time if he was good enough. So, same with uh, Lucian. Otherwise, you just got stuck on one, on like, Rel yeah. forever. She <laughs> just couldn't yeah. kill a Rel. Yeah, you definitely couldn't get through a Galio. Yeah. You definitely couldn't get through a Galio.
Exactly. Um, yeah. No, I'll just say, I want to say that, like, um, I think that, like, it tends to, like, fluctuate in terms of, like, how real best-in-slot items are. I think um, that it's, we, we'll never really, we'll actually never live in a world where um, three items are bis, if that makes sense. Like, I, I actually can't think of a single patch or set where you need at exact three items on a champion to do well with it. It was, I think it's always been um, one item is, like, really, really core on a champion. And sometimes when the set, like, when it's, like, not designed particularly well, it'll be two items. So we mentioned Aphelios just then. I think Aphelios was a very good example of uh, two items being core, Rageblade and Deathblade. The third item was typically quite flexible. But without Rageblade, Deathblade is just not doing enough. Um, I think that like I can think of some other examples like like Lucian's another one where like if you don't uh, like if you don't have like GS plus like on hit it's not enough damage if you don't have like uh, Infinity Edge last whisper for the full crit build it's not enough. Um, but then there are examples like I think healthy examples are ones where it's one uh, one item you really need and then everything else doesn't matter like Velkos for example needs a dual gauntlet everything else doesn't matter. This set like Jin needs last whisper the other two items don't really matter. Um, Kale from like step 4.5 really needed Rageblade. The other items didn't actually matter that much. Rapid Fire Cannon was always just a bonus. Um, I think we, sorry, yeah, I guess it's a long way of saying like, I think we see this a lot where this matters to a degree. There is usually a core item on a lot of like on, on four cost in particular that's like very, very good. But you should never be greeting for like three perfect items, I think. I think it's just like unrealistic and you're just bleeding away too much HP. But yeah. Yeah. Um, oh God, I mean, I think right now as well, one of the things is like, how bro how broken was Morello's before they nerfed it and Sunfire <laughs> before they nerfed it? Oh, yeah. Set? Like, oh, they yeah. were like, there's been so many like insta-slam items, but the insta-slam items in this set are actually mm. flexible. Like, they're more flexible. Like, mm -hmm. you can basically slam flex items and always pretty much be okay because you don't you can play flex you can play flex really effectively because you don't need to one trick something because the game changes all the time with the with the uh, augments so having the having the good the good stuff about the set be the flexible the flexible items the items like morello yep. sunfire uh, redemption all those kind of things. I mean, I don't know what they've done to Hodge. They like ruined Hodge. It's such a useless fucking item. They they they, they hit it in its kneecaps and yeah. they, they hit it a bit too hard. Yeah, they really took it out back and put it out of its misery. But I mean, mm. they change the the items change every set, right? Like there's significant changes that happen between yep. sets. So one set this is really good. The next set this is really good. The next set this is really yep. good. Or one patch this item's really good. But right now, I think one of the big yep. things is like the flexibility of items is really strong. Tanks don't specifically like. There was like the Vex. There was that one Vex patch where it was like, oh, you start chain, you get Bramble, you get Decoy. Bro, I missed, I missed the Vex patch so much. Fuck that patch. That was the worst patch of the whole set. No, 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 it was great. Vex two, at three two with Bramble, you shit on all the cap players. It's great. Actually, you. I remember start of the start of the set. I'd see someone with Vex, Vex two. You'd get it down to one HP, she'd ulti, and then you'd just lose by like six to seven units, depending on what their level was. Yeah. And like your board would actually look really good, but you'd be taking like six unit losses. And it's like, ah, oh. because just because you couldn't kill the Vex, they'd solo frontline the Vex. Yeah. 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 And so there's a lot Keep of um, I just like want to. 
just want to say that Keith in chat brought up a really good point about Biss. Um, well, we're, well, we're on. Sorry, well, we're still on that topic, kind of. Yeah. Uh, in that Biss is also really subjective to the meta. Like, for example, like we saw like a huge uh, dependence on Lassister, like throughout like the later half of the set, just because yeah. all the bodyguards, um, sorry, all the front lines compo uh, are comprised of bodyguards. Um, whereas you know stuff like Giant Slayer was a lot high value when people were playing a lot more Bruiser in the in the past. But yeah, I think that is also a really good point to bring up. Yeah, and also like reroll comps. Like when reroll comps are in meta and everyone's over the GS threshold, it's like insane how much yes. value you can get in um yeah when people might not see it. Uh, because like you can even you know how like you you never want to slam a GS because there's better items that will do more for your board during the mid game. But if you get if you get a GS during like early to mid game and you can see that people are already gonna hit those three stars, especially if they're playing uh protector reroll. Um, no flame of course, but. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm... <laughs> yep, yep, yep. That's what I'm slamming a GS straight away, and I know that I'm going to be able to like absolutely shred through there. Yeah, yeah. agreed. Protectors. Sure, sure. Good question. Yeah, that was good. Thanks for that, Tori. That was fascinating. All right. Um, let's uh go for a few more of our prepared questions. Uh, has set six lived up to our expectations? I think we touched on it a little bit, but. Yeah, it's been good, definitely. Like I said before, with like the set five and the sh like the shadow items, I just like I did it didn't do it for me. It wasn't that entertaining. Um, uh, every game kind of felt pretty much the same. Like mo most games started to feel very very similar to one another. Um, mm. It kind of had a little bit of a redemption arc with the what was it the radiant items? I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, five for five. Um, mm. But like it was it was better. I was like, yeah, okay, this is all right. Um, but no, they kept talking about how like set six is going to be amazing. Set six is going to have all this and that. And yeah, I've absolutely loved it. Um, uh, like I've put in more hours into this set than I have any any other set. Um, and yeah, it's definitely done it for me. Uh, there's been a couple of patches that were bad, but um, mm. I think like one whenever I think of like whenever I see a comment like an ignorant comment talking about how like Mort can't balance things. Um, one thing that I really like to like obviously he's got flaws, but he does a great job. One thing that I like to point out is um, <clears throat> Lucian, uh, Lucian during I think it was like last set worlds or something. He was like the most unplayed unit. No one touched him. Like everyone said, Lucian was bad. Everyone said six. Uh, what? What was it? Six. Uh, Sentinel. Whatever his trait was, Sentinel. Yeah, six Sentinel, Sentinel was bad. And then some some man out of nowhere just said, "Oh, have you tried throwing a giant slayer on him?" And then just everyone was playing him at Worlds. Literally, like, <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. And then like, yeah. And then he just played. and like Mort didn't touch him. Mort didn't touch Lucian. But someone just figured out that GS was broken. And it was the same with like cat. Like cat just out of nowhere just became like the most broken thing ever. Um and it was so obnoxious, but someone just figured it out that okay, cat's actually really strong. And um yeah, sure. yeah like other other than those patches, oh I've really liked the B patches though. Like the idea of, oh, we made a mistake, let's quickly change mm -hmm. it. Like I, I really like how they have that. Nothing too big, just a quick, okay, let's redo that or let's relook that. But yeah, the set's yeah. been good. Yeah, if the terror of a uh, Swain reroll got shut down real quick, thank God. <laughs> yep. Yeah, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've said a lot on this podcast. I, I won't bang on about Colossus units anymore. They have not known what to do with them. The whole set. It's the only thing that I can point to that's like, oh fucking hell, they've done a, not a very good job with these. Like Trogath has never been in a state a state that's like enjoyable to watch to play to play yeah. against scion is yeah. like the most like he's the worst but also not the worst out of the three of them it's like not even the most egregious is the most annoying one 
Um, it's just annoying. It's and now so Gallia, now Gallio, like they basically like destroyed Gallio. <laughs> like they just had to nerf him like five patches. You got to nerf game. every patch. Yeah. Why do they keep yeah. nerfing Clapio? Clapio got gutted like three times in a row. <laughs> it's like I didn't even think Clapio was viable, and then I saw two consecutive more nerfs to it. I'm like. Just, you know, like, nerf other yeah. areas. Why, why are you hitting Clapio Cl- Clapio so was, like, barely viable, right? It was, like, good at <laughs> yeah. everything. But, yeah. yeah. And it involved you getting rid of your good unit to put IE Runans on a fucking tank. Yeah. So, yep. I mean, <laughs> yeah. realistically, at, at the end of the day, I think they, they focused on all the wrong things when it came to Colossus. Like, they, bu- what did they do? They buffed Cho's health by, like, 100, and he became so broken, they micro-nerfed him, like, three days afterwards. Or something, yeah. in a patch. So, oh, man. Colossus is the only thing I think that I can point to that's like, wow, they did a really bad job of that. I really don't want them to come back. Yeah, that, that was like the. Do. Yeah, sorry. That was that was the only time where I was kind of like like I'm I always like support more and say like he like he obviously cops a lot of flame where he really doesn't deserve it. But that was the only time this set. That I remember there was a there was a clip there was a clip where like someone said oh I had four like four Chogats in my game and and then Mort just basically says oh well they're bad players like if they're all forcing the same comp they're clearly bad players and that just like really made me cringe. Because that was the patch where Cho'Gath was broken. I was playing him on my, like, in solo queue. And I would get Cho'Gath 2, Malzahar 2, and I would still top 4. Like, I had games where I would yeah. miss yeah. 3 stars and still top 4. And I had games where I would miss the 3 stars. Other people would miss the 3 stars. And we'd both, like, hold hands top 4. And um, I don't know, like, if he had, like, pride in Cho'Gath or whatever. But he just, like, he didn't want to admit that, yeah, Cho'Gath was just, like, too ridiculously strong at one point. Yeah. But other than that, like, yeah, it's been good. I mean, to also dump on Mort a little, even, like, I mean, people who watch the podcast know that I'm very sympathetic with Mort. But uh, I think he said a very similar thing with Lux, where I was like, uh, if, if you think Lux is bad, you're just really yeah. bad at the game. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah. bro, do you, if you see this, <laughs> will we play the same game? Uh, yeah, this is fucking get it. Blows, dude. Yeah. I mean, look, yeah, look, Mort's human as well. He has a sh- his fair share of shit takes as well sometimes, you know? <laughs> we all have shit takes we all have shit takes right yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah like at, sure. at the, at the yeah. end of the day I think set 6 has been a real um triumph compared to set 5 I won't say it's yeah. a total triumph oh, for sure. I will yeah, say yeah. I will say that their their emphasis on this set over the previous set did a significantly uh, like went a significant way to making this set an enjoyable experience I think now is almost the perfect time for it to be changed up because there is a, a serious hint. It's not full, it's not full, but there is a serious hint of malaise setting in for this set. I think we're really getting to the point where people are like, man, like some of these units are like, I don't want to play against fucking Cogmore every game. Bro, do I really have to get killed by Shaco? Like, I got IE, I want to play Jin, yeah. but, like, I'm just going to get fucking Shaco'd every game, man. Oh, it's 3-2, three, three it's time to pay the syntax scan. Okay, yeah. I've seen this one before. Yeah, that, that guy <laughs> got a double Shaco orb. I mean, this, fuck, I can't play Syndicate this game. And, like, my options are healing or Syndicate. Like, and I chose, I chose Syndicate, and that guy got a double Shaco orb. So, we're at the point where the set loses its, like serious luster and they they know that there's the sets happen like this um 
and that's why we get the the mini sets that's why we get the changes over that's why they change things so it's really good to um uh it's really good that they do that i just think we're like we're like at the time where it's we're ready for a change we're ready to change up i think set six definitely lived up to expectations it didn't like it was it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination but i think considering its scope what they wanted to achieve um i think i think it's in a good place and i i have really high hopes that 6.5 will be a home run so because i think that they definitely made a lot of mistakes this, this set, uh, which I think was like going to be inevitable when you're tackling a system as complex as Augments. And I think that hopefully, uh, I have faith that like you know they'll they're going to learn a lot. They're going to you know take a lot of what they've learned and sort of apply that to balancing six point five. Yeah, agreed. Mm. Let's uh, let's hit up uh, our one final question. I think. All right. Um. Let's do. Ooh, what should we do? Let's just do this one. I think we, again, we kind of addressed this a little, but it does tie into what we were just talking about. Are we pleased that sort of augments are still going to be sticking around in set seven and potentially even beyond? It's a big one. Oh, yeah, I want to I hear your thoughts, Terry. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. So, uh, yeah, I think it's definitely a good system. Um, like, there's a lot of other ones where, like, I think in, in the direction that they're pushing them towards, especially when they have... Um, uh like they're just making it so that it's, it's it's less and less where you feel like oh, okay i shouldn't have got that all like with the patch that's coming out tomorrow morning i think um where they're, they're they're very they're being very specific about the rules of when you can and can't get uh certain trait augments um it seems like uh a really good system in order to show skill expression how you can play flexibly but when you get different augments or how uh you know how you can play around what you've been given um, and it obviously adds another level of depth on top of just knowing your team comps and also knowing your um, your units, uh, as opposed to something like previous where they've had like chosens, where you could just get like a really lucky chosen and then good job you've top forward. Um, so I am glad that they're they're um, they're sticking with it. Um, but then of course like you know so are they are they keeping it for what set seven they say seven they've they've okay. mentioned that seven yeah. will have a very similar mechanic to augments so it yeah. might not be exactly augments but it will be similar i imagine what that means it's like it's going to be like a pick between you know multiple kind of things right when they say it's similar yeah. to augments like it'll be like here's yeah. three options blah, blah 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 right so yeah yeah definitely like i mean any as, as long as like whatever the system is as long as it's got like a higher level of skill expression whilst also keeping the game fun different and entertaining uh then i'm all for it uh but of course like i just like i just love playing the game especially when they're like like completely change it and different things so even if they like want to take a risk and try something that's completely different and it could just be absolutely awful i know i'm still going to have like lots of fun on pbe trying out like the the new stuff yeah. but uh, i'm definitely glad that they're taking it like a safe route they've clearly used this half set to to figure out the ins and outs what works what makes what feels obnoxious and i really do like seeing every now and then i'll see like tweets from more asking like there was one where he was just saying like which augments are the worst like which ones do you see yep. and you go absolutely terrible it clearly shows that he's putting in a lot of effort into the game but also reaching out to the community and um figuring out what works and what doesn't and so that's why i have high hopes for set 6.5 sure yeah buddy? Oh boy. Um... Yeah, the Lucky Lanterns thing the was sort of like a test for the test of set 6 basically. Like <laughs> they're they're trying to give and they're trying to figure out ways to give players more interactivity with their items, their choices, their boards like during the game. 
that's a good thing. It's a really good thing. I think it makes mm -hmm. TFT really interesting. It promotes skill. It promotes expression. It promotes changing things up. All of that good stuff. Um, I will say, as long as it's not or like augments, like it's just the same thing. I'm yeah. I'm all for it. If they're mm -hmm. like, oh man, it was so successful. People loved it. Like we're just gonna we're bringing augments back. We're gonna change it up. We're going to give you some new stuff with it. I think that that's sort of a cop out. I wouldn't like that. Yeah. I'd like there to be, I like yeah. the sets. I like the sets to really feel different from one another. Like sure. When I think about mm -hmm. set three, I'm like, oh yes, mech man. <laughs> mech feels so different to anything else I've ever played. That's why I love set three so much. Or I think about set two and I'm like, holy shit. I hated playing against frozen Olaf. Like, but dude, <laughs> this, I remember this game that this guy hit, like Amumu 3 and he killed my whole board with one Amumu ult and oh man that was so mm -hmm. cool and so you ha you have all these sort of like core memories from different sets that really stick with you the longer you keep playing and I think that like diversifying those core memories and changing things up is a really good way to keep the game enjoyable I wouldn't want to see augments back I'd like it to be different I think that's the most important thing for me but a version of augments where we get to make choices in the middle of the game that change our board or change how we play. Fuck. Yeah. Great. That's exactly what I want. That's exactly what makes TFT fun. I'm all for it. David, yeah. your, your thoughts. It's, it's well. Uh, I, I, I like augments, but, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll just briefly say that I really miss galaxies. I, I really want yeah, galaxies me back. Too. <laughs> I really, really miss Galaxies. Um, for anyone who doesn't, for anyone who didn't play in like set three, the way Galaxies basically work is, um, it's like it's drawn from like every game basically has like a potential like a different rule or like a stipulation to how the lobby works or like, like how that specific game works. Like for example, you might get like a fawn at a certain stage or, um, like I think it's like I'm trying to think of like what the good Galaxies were. It's like there's like there's like trade sector where I mean you know there's like the augment where like every turn you get a free refresh. Um, bunch of different ones basically. Uh, but like the thing about galaxies in set three was that like a lot of them were not very balanced. Like we're not balanced very very well at all. Small were, like, galaxy broken. baby, but the I just like one less row. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, there's like a galaxy where everyone starts off with eighty five HP. There's one where the board is like three hexes long. But anyway, I, I just love the concept of galaxies. Um, I know I went on. I know we're meant to be talking about augments, and I went a whole tangent about galaxies. But I do quite miss galaxies as a set mechanic. And I, and that's a long way of saying that, like, while I like augments, I really do hope that, like, they revisit some of their earlier concepts that, you know, were, uh, like, good, but, like, weren't fully, you know, fully realized. Um, I think, like, you know, even things like Chosen, for example, where, like, it took them basically, like, all of set four to figure out how to properly balance Chosen. And then we got maybe, like, two patches to play with, like, Chosen and, like, fully balanced, if that makes sense. Um, I, I so like it's a it's yeah it's a it's a way of saying that like I would love to see them sort of remaster a lot of these sort of older set mechanic ideas um, into sort of like new and improved ones rather than just iterating on only augments moving on moving on from now so yeah or do what answer. the Chinese TFT app does and give us the option to play the older sets right true. Set four, set four is out on the Chinese TFT app right now. You can go and play with chosen units if you want to. That's yeah, cool. Can, like, can relive the. Let us be. Can relive the Dijon days of Shade Z. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> can relive the Dijon days. Yep. Guys, we've had a lot of brilliant questions. In fact, we've sort of spent half the podcast talking questions and yeah. taking things. I just want to say a big thank you to everybody 
in the chat who uh, who stopped by this evening. A big thank you uh, specifically to everyone who asked some questions. We had a really great time tonight. I mean, I know I did. So that's pretty much going to wrap it up, guys. We're, we're pretty much at the end of our rope and just want to finalize by saying a big thank you to my co-host, first of all, Sol, for being here. That was a really, really yeah. enjoyable episode. Thank you very much. Yeah. And uh, obviously a big, big thank you to our guest, Tabora, for coming on. Thank you, thank you. No, thank you for having me. It's been, like, it's been heaps of fun. I, I always loved uh, talking like TFT content with like different people, mm. uh, like hearing everyone else's thoughts. Uh, I think I was talking to Angora about it, and we were just going back and forth and saying how like, we could talk for hours because like it's just there's too many things to talk about. And oh, it's for sure, entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, thank you for having me on. Yeah, guys, mm, look, nice. um, we're gonna give Tamura one final chance to let everybody know where you can find him. If you are an audio listener, of course, um, you will be able to find Tamura online, and he's gonna tell you exactly where. So Tamura, where can where can the listeners find you? Yep. Okay. So pretty easy. Tamura seventy seven on Twitch uh, and on YouTube. Uh, on YouTube, it's actually uh, Tamura seventy seven TFT, just to be specific, in case you accidentally run across my uh, Ross channel. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm live like probably every other day on Twitch on average, and you'll see guides, uh, guides and gameplay on my uh, TFT channel on YouTube. Fantastic. Well, guys, it's been a really successful episode. Um, as always, if you are watching live, you can stick around for the post show. Uh, where we decide who to raid, we sort of talk about the episode and, and do all that kind of stuff. But otherwise, guys, it's it's time to say goodbye. Tamara, thank you so much. We'll we'll let you get out of here. All right. Yeah, thank you. Thank Thanks you so me. much. Take care, everyone. All right. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.